Welcome to episode 13 of the Redeeming Church podcast. On this episode, you get to hear the deep, dark origin stories that made us, us. How did we come to know Jesus? Why did we get into church ministry? Why do we continue in church ministry? What superpower would we choose? If you're ready, let's dive in. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Andrew? Four days ago, five days ago. Jesus has risen, and yeah. now he's ascended, I think. Yeah, well, it's what the book tells us, the good book. How was your how was your Easter and Good Friday and week before? Uh, yeah, uh, I feel like it was a pretty low-key weekend on our part. I got, uh, on Friday, I got my second vaccination. Yeah, you did. And felt, felt good, no side effects. Then uh, I had uh, we had Good Friday, which I, which I was in, which you you led, but I was it's in true. it. It's true uh, for a dramatic reading. It's true, and you did. You, did. you brought the drama. I thank you. Yes, I was back, impressed. Going back to my old high school days Get when it. I yeah had a couple of you know small roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you know Sunday Sunday was kind of a low key day. We we really didn't do a whole lot after Easter. It was a full morning, as you know, and then we hung around home. We watched some baseball because that's back and that's great. And uh, yeah, enjoyed the nice weather we've we've had so far. But what about you guys? Anything in particular besides besides working? Majority of Easter. That's what that's what's hard about us as pastors, right? When people ask us how was our Easter weekend, we usually have to include working. It, we were working. It yep. was busy. Second busiest. Well, I don't know if Christmas is busier, but one of the two busiest times of the year for sure. Yeah, pastors' families, especially wives or single wives, single moms on those big holidays for sure. Uh, it was good, yeah. No, it was a yeah, busy week for sure. And we went to Arkansas a couple weeks ago, so we're still recovering from that trip. It was a great trip. And, uh, yep, Good Friday Easter happened. Wonderful. Celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just in case you weren't sure where we stood. That's it. And uh, Yes, as pastors, we do believe that. Indeed. Indubitably. Uh, yeah, then I was pretty wiped Sunday. Yeah, I, I, uh, I kind of crashed didn't sleep because you had two little kids, but we didn't we didn't really do a whole lot Sunday afternoon and evening, and then Monday off, which was nice. Um, you you recently ended uh, a little forty day segment of your life, you and your wife last week. Yeah, Easter. we did. Yeah, how, how'd that go? Yeah, my my wife and I, I might have mentioned this in the last episode. I know it's been a little while since we were able to record. My wife and I uh, did a sugar fast for the Lenten season. And uh, just as a way to, you know, uh, not not maybe not as just as a way to to uh, torture yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, not as maybe not as dramatic as what Jesus did in his uh, forty days of wandering in the desert. Touche, touche. Um, you know, we we went without sugar for forty days, mostly refined. Like you know, there were some things that we you know, if there was natural sugars, we allowed it. For some just, reason, uh, that made me think of fancy sugar. <laughs> we didn't do fancy sugar. We, we didn't do the none of that refined crap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only Splenda, which was now we didn't even do that. But <laughs> the poor man's sugar. We uh, we we did well. I, I I think honestly, you know what's what's fascinating about that, Andrew, is that uh, ever since that finished up, uh, I've been eating sugar now, and it and it's not the same. It's it's kind of weird. Uh, like it, like what is this garbage? Yeah, well, it's kind of like man. All of a sudden, I just feel I feel like like sluggish, and yeah, I feel like man, true. like what? Maybe I should take another fast here. I don't it's know. True. It's kind of weird. But then you know. 
but then I get a donut with my coffee and I'm like, ah, you know, okay. Okay. We're hashtag we're, worth we're it back. in the moment. Yeah. But you lost like 11 pounds. Right? I did. I lost some weight, which is good. Get you know, ready for spring. Gotta get that spring, you know, bod going, but spring bod. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait till you get the dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear that's, that's what's, what's in right now, man. The did great you... thing is, is it doesn't take a lot of work to maintain. Yeah. yeah right. Right. Yeah, it just kind of happens. So yeah. how, how cool is that? That culture is like, yeah, Hey, have a dad bod. That's okay. Get it. You're right about that. Even if you don't have kids, you can have a dad bod. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Uh, you came up with a good icebreaker today, and I'll ask it first for you. Sure. What is one job, if given the opportunity, that you would do? Part two, what is the worst job you've ever had? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is definitely in the category of like it's a job I absolutely want, but I will never be able to have. Yeah, I uh, starting pitcher for the well, Brewers. Yeah, I mean not, not even that. To be honest, I would rather be a be a play by play guy for the Milwaukee Brewers. You, wanna, you, you said that before. I would love to be in uh, be in the booth with Bob Uecker. Um, <laughs> he is he is uh, just uh, the voice of baseball here in Milwaukee. Long live Uecker. Uh, I would love to have that have that play by play guy next to him. But uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm past the point of, of having a job. So I would settle for like 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 Milwaukee Milkman or like an independent team. Like I'll be a play by play, play by play for somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll even do like you want me to do little league and you'll pay. All right, I'll do that too. That's that's fine. <laughs> hey, hey at this if point, I can if I can do rent and food on the table while doing little league, I will do play by play for I'm little in. league. Uh, the the worst job that uh, I would I've had that I'd never want to work again, I I I, uh, I battled on this one because I uh, at first I thought it was the two years I worked for UPS while while I was at college, <laughs> which was a hard job and uh, you know it was a good job helped put me through school, um, and as I thought more about it though the one job I would never want to do again was uh, here in Milwaukee maybe I'll come back this year but there is State Fair. That happens every August. Ooh. And there was one year I worked as a parking person. Oh, yeah. Which was the worst experience. Yeah, that I've sounds like had. it would be. Like that, that scared me away from State Fair because <laughs> you had people who were, people who would come in who were angry. It was hot. You're standing out in hot concrete for hours upon hours trying to guide cars. Um, I had people who at one point, um, we, we had to exit them out a certain way and it was inconvenient, but we had to do it. And one person uh, just yelled at me as he's driving by, and all I could say was, "Have a good day, sir." And but that was just the one <laughs> job I would I would never ever do again. Like at least at UPS, I felt like I uh, was getting a good workout every night, mm. and kind of getting paid to work out. And and even like even even Cora, I, I think has seen pictures of me from my wife has seen pictures from me from on uh, that time. Just to, and, and has been like, "Wow, like you were actually you actually." You know, we looked a little jacked. I'm like, yeah, maybe what I should go back. What happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they went to Whitewater and two months later. happened. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, it for, that's it for me. But uh, yeah, same question for you. What's one job that you want that you know you'll never have? And what is the worst job that you had that you'll never want again? You know, I, I always think that I want to be president. Really? Like, okay. I'm like, I, I could make good In today's change. climate? Okay. I think I'm, uh, oh, well climate wouldn't have anything to do with it i see what you did there um yeah i think i can make positive changes and get a grasp on what's up and you know bring integrity into the office and and god into the office but then i think when i put actual thought into what it is to be the president and the weight you carry and having to know a lot about everything i would just 
I don't want that job. Nope. Nope, I don't want that. Uh, so it, realistically, I would, when I worked at camp um, four years as a counselor and did a year internship, I got to do a lot of team building. and actually got some certifications in different team building um, activities and uh, ways to do things. So I would, I would really enjoy doing team building, whether that's a camp or, I mean, there are, you know, professional mm-hmm. organizations that go in and do team building for all kinds of companies and um, it's something to do with team building or like, like I'm finding a passion of mine is like um, leadership, leadership training and running an organization well, organizational infrastructure. Um, so again, companies that will go in hired out by other companies to come help improve in those areas. And I would really enjoy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I would also enjoy doing play by play next to you. Oh, Hey, you know, we should just, I'd, like, I'd be the color commentator. Let's let's just go find a sport, right? Let's go find a sport. You and I. Let's let's pull our mics up. Maybe we'll start a different podcast. Kind of the yep, the play by play podcast. We could start with adult league slow pitch softball. Yeah, I like it. Just like, like bring it. some speakers into the table and just start announcing at games. Ah, uh, dude. Yeah, listeners, if if you're in on this, let us know. Uh, we will we will we will make this happen. Redeeming adult league softball. Yes. My worst job ever was my very first job ever in my life as a junior in high school and I worked at Long John Silver's. Oh goodness. Yeah. And I did, and I did a couple other stints in fast food. So I did my time. Um, but that was, I worked there for two months and hated every minute of it. It was greasy and smelly. And my first week on the job, I, I, uh, asked my manager, I need to go to the bathroom and real fast. And he was like, hurry up. I don't pay you to pee. And I was like, Whoa, what is happening right now? You know, I feel like in a job like that, there'd be a lot of guilt that comes along with it, knowing that your product uh, is responsible for <laughs> a number of heart people. attacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is I got to bring home all the leftover food at the end of the day to my family. It's all this deep fried chicken so and hash puppies and french fries. You got to feed and, and killing my shorten the life of your family. Yeah. Nice. Oh. Yes, I, um, I would do anything to support my family, but ooh. I don't know if I want to log on Silvers anymore. Uh, Mike, let's dive into our podcast. What are we talking about today? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, Andrew, as you know, it's been uh, it's been a busy past month for the both of us. I know we we are we are, we are trying our hardest to throw out at least two episodes a month, and you know, yeah, there was this this holiday that we just talked about that happened this past weekend yeah. that uh, dominated a little bit of our time, but that's okay because uh, we're, we're here now and we're excited about some episodes to come here. In the uh, the near future, I'm really looking forward to the individuals we're going to have on as we wrap up our first season of Redeeming Church. But you know, I thought for today's episode, um, you know, now that we're kind of uh, we're, we're we've been at this for a little while, we're we're 13 episodes in. 13. Yeah. You know how we? You know how in some TV shows they, um, you know, when a when an episode starts with that first episode, you're kind of like dot you dive into the plot. You you're already supposed to get to know the characters, right? Mm-hmm. And then like once you sit to get to know the characters later on in the season, kind of just they, a backstory. They do like an origin episode. That's what this episode is. Those are my favorite episodes. It is it is the origin episode of us. It's our our testimony episode where we're gonna share a little bit about put some baby pictures up on the uh, links. I don't know if we'll go that far, um, but I want to see cute baby Mike, uh, fully bearded. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about in this episode. I think for the both of us, how we came to know Jesus, kind of our our testimony on that. How do how we came to work in the church because you know both of us have 
uh, yeah, different pathways and how we got to where we're at. And then, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I think it's still worth going back to what, why are we still doing this? Why in the world are we still working for uh, a church, especially just with the, you know, the past year and, and what it's been and um, why, are, why, why are we still doing this, man? So, yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to start just to kind of share uh, briefly your your testimony, how you came to know Jesus. I'll share mine, and uh, yeah, we'll 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 go from there. Sure, I would be happy to. I grew up in Salem Springs, Arkansas, which Salem just got ranked in a major publication as um, the number sixteen best small town to live in in America, uh, under twenty thousand people. So it's a it's a great little town, great little town. Um, grew up with Christian parents in a Christian household, loving parents um, and brothers and sisters. And I mean, you know, normal stuff growing up and went to church every every week. And my parents were involved in church and uh, grew up in an evangelical free church. And uh, yeah, grew up doing the stories about Jesus and the Bible. And when I was 13, so Asylum was a very Christian town, lots of churches, in fact, I don't think we ever were, but it was always joked about that Siloam uh, should be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most churches per capita. Hmm. Um, when I was growing up, it was about 10,000 people in town, and there were over 60 churches. Uh, so just old, wow. Very religious town. Uh, and not all of those are good. A lot of church splits and sure, you know, right. bad things. But um, so everybody was like, people went to church. You went to church. You went to youth group. And so because of that in a small town, uh, whenever... Uh, youth group had like a discipleship weekend or whatever retreat. Like a lot of people went to it, no matter what church you went to. So when I was 13, that happened. Went to uh, one of the larger youth groups in town, discipleship, D-Now retreat, discipleship now. I love, I love those, those Christian, those Christian names, Get right? It. Like D-Now. What does the D stand for? Yeah. Nobody knows. Death. Um, <laughs> yep. So it went there. And then that uh, Saturday night, they had a, um, a foot washing ceremony. It was the first time I'd ever done, participated in anything like that. And um, so, yeah, they read read the story of the Upper Room Discourse when Jesus washed his disciples' feet and talked to them and uh, served them. And and I, who knows? Who knows what makes those moments happen? The Holy Spirit, for sure. But for some reason, in that moment, as I was washing somebody's feet, it just like, it just all hit me, right? Like at once, like I just got it. I got what Jesus did for me. I mm. I. I didn't just know what I believed it uh, in my heart. And so so that was the night that I accepted Christ and started living for him. Uh, and, the, I, and the rest is history. I, I love that. I love how, uh, you know, because that phrase would, would be just crazy to some people, right? Washing other people's feet is when I got it. But like in Christian circles, that's yep. completely appropriate. Yep. That's, that's great. I washed somebody's feet at a D now. <laughs> and now I believe. Um, so that was when I, yeah, accepted Christ and then, um, just brief, yeah, kind of blazed through the rest of my testimony and growing, sanctifying in my faith. Um, yeah, because it was such a Christian town, everybody went to youth group, uh, you know, I was on the soccer team and other school activities and, um, I would see, and my, my faith was genuine. Like I believed in Jesus and I wanted to live for him. And, mm-hmm. um, I would see guys at youth group that would look good and even were popular and would pray at youth group or just be even leaders sometimes in different youth groups. And then I'd see him on the soccer team and, and traveling with me and I would hear how they spoke then. And they were very, very different people. So putting on a show, um, and, and that just, 
it started to um, uh, put a casing over my heart, started to grow a little bit hard hmm. toward, towards the church because I started to see those people and they were hypocrites and I, I didn't want them representing the Jesus that I represented because hmm. uh, they were giving him a bad name. And, uh, and I guess I didn't think Jesus could take that or his name could take that. So I started to grow hard towards the church in general. And then in college, my first two years, um, got involved in young life ministry um, as a, a volunteer, college volunteer. But I quit going to church. I did not quit believing in the Lord or my faith was not in doubt. But I just I, every time I went, I just judged people. And I was like, hmm. you're a hypocrite. You're probably a hypocrite. And you're you're not really trying to live the life and representing Jesus the wrong way. And I remember very distinctly a moment of change in my life, my young life leader, Michael Harrison. If you're listening to this, Michael, one of our 10 listeners. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> uh, big mentor, one of my really first, first mentors in my life, um, first couple years of college and all throughout college. And we just, he met with me regularly and uh, he would challenge me on this and I should go to church and think, change my view. And he showed me passage in uh, Luke 5, where Jesus is having dinner with his disciples. And as the text puts it, tax collectors and sinners. And uh, when the Pharisees ask, why does your teacher eat with such scum? I loved that word, scum, as one translation put it. That's the way the Pharisees viewed these people. And Jesus said famously, I, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. I did not come to heal those who are well, but those who are sick. And Michael looked across the table at me and he said, Andrew, all these people that you're frustrated with and and uh, these hypocrites, um, of which you're one of them, P.S., uh, where else is it that you think they're supposed to go if not church? You want them out of the church, not representing Christ. Where where else is there for broken people, hmm. if not the church? And just again, that moment, I was like, whew, it just rocked me. Um, so that was the transformation of my heart towards the church, yeah. uh, which, I mean, we'll get to in a later segment here, but ultimately led me to uh, pursue his church uh, very ironically. It's right. you know, great, the funny, the path the Spirit takes you on, but uh, now I'm, I want to be an active part of uh, helping the bride of Christ that I that I so hated at one time. Mm-hmm. So, one of my favorite albums is Derek Webb's She Must and Shall Go Free, which Derek Webb kind of fell off the Christian rails a little bit. Yeah, bummer. But the album is great. And um, he, one of his songs talks about, um, if you love me, this is Christ singing to, to us. If you love me, you will love the church. You know, she is my bride who I purchased. And so, so uh, whew, I'll save it because I'm diving into a later segment. But that's kind of kind of where I, where I went in my journey. So there you go. Nice, nice. Seven-minute version, however long that was. Yeah, it's, cool. it's a cool story. It's a cool so, story. Mike, what's your testimony? Yeah, um, so I've uh, had essentially lived in Wisconsin my entire life outside of maybe maybe a year or so. But uh, um, yeah, born in Green Bay, um, born um, born to a mom who was a radio disc jockey and a, and a dad who was trying to work in uh, kind of the news media. Uh, mom was a mom's side of the family was a Baptist. Dad's side of the family was uh, Catholic. And um, just through through a number of uh, after about eight years or so, uh, just after a number of conflicts. Um, that go far beyond religion, but just conflicts that came up, they, uh, they divorced. Uh, and so I remember being around seven, eight years old when that was, when that was common. And, uh, on my mom's side, I had a grandmother who was just a very strong, vibrant woman of the faith. She loved the Lord. She truly wanted people to know about, about Jesus. She was the kind of grandma, um, who 
you know, she would, she would have all the neighborhood kids over, uh, just to love and care for them. And she did that with us too. And I remember, um, there was, there was one summer that we were staying with my grandparents in Mason city, Iowa, um, because just uh, things were getting worked out between my mom and my dad. And it was during that time my grandmother shared the gospel with us. Although, uh, my grandmother claimed, uh, she's, she's now with the Lord, but, uh, she had, uh, at one point claimed that she used like a curriculum or something like that to tell my sister and I about Jesus. And I remember, uh, exactly what she used. Uh, it was the book revelation. So my grandmother told me about Jesus through how the world was going to end. You're, you're going to hell. Basically as an eight year old, when you hear stuff like this, you're like, shoot. No, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say so. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, um, so needless to say, uh, I, I said, yeah, let's follow Jesus. Cause I, I don't want to do the whole hell thing. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrible. And, and God bless my grandmother. Like, yeah, right, right. And she was, you know, she, she was always someone who didn't, didn't leave it there. Uh, I mean, she, she'd get to the, the love and grace of Christ eventually, but, um, yeah, but really though, kind of through my, uh, my teenage years, I would, would probably categorize my faith as more nominal, if anything, it was just a faith that I had by name. Um, and you know, often I would do that thing where, I would, I would pray the prayer nightly just to make sure I was still getting saved, you know, just in case I, I happen to get, you know, get hit with a bug or, you know, die I, randomly. I, I, yeah. I think we call that Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Pray, pray the, pray the rosary. Um, yeah. But I would tell you that, uh, in my heart, I knew that I was calling all the shots for my life. Like it, you know, like God was a, a maybe a, a piece of my life and not something that I was really genuinely interested in following. And, and, when I got to my senior year of high school, uh, I felt like uh, a lot of things were catching up to me. Um, so there was just a lot of a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that I had uh, because of uh, things I was doing. So I was I was one of those kids that really struggled. Like I had my insecurities. I had a lot of pride. Struggled with lust, uh, which is you know you know you can that's that's a struggle for for men today. But that was definitely something for me in in high school. And so I uh, all this made me feel alone and isolated. So it was one night in December where I felt the Lord's presence and, and kind of in a come to Jesus moment where it, it seemed as if the Lord was pressing on me, the feeling that, well, uh, I had actually never been following Jesus in the first place. Like, yeah, I knew I knew the prayer. I knew the stuff that I need to, to do to have my fire insurance, but I wasn't actually following Jesus. And so I would say that. That is when I had, I think, a true surrender moment, a true moment of like, yes, I, I'm, I'm in. I want my life to be about uh, Jesus. I want to I want to live for him. And then one of the first things I prayed for was Christian community because I had friends that uh, I, you know, you know, I was involved in like theater and band and all that. So I had a lot of friends from high school, but not really Christian community people that I could grow with, people who could really understand and level with me on, on a faith level and and uh, so the Lord led me to a youth group um, through through an invite of a friend, and, and that happens to be the youth group I'm at right now. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how how things uh, began on my Fuse part. Fuse Student Ministries. Well, back back at that point, it was called Sun Life. You know, another one of those two thousand. Was it like youth group S O N Life? I th I think it was. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It definitely was. Yep. So there you go. Cool. Yeah. Nice. That make made you into the mega christian that you are today yeah right uh well i'll throw it back to you for segment two which is 
um, why in the world do you work at a church? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question because uh, I never wanted to be in full-time ministry. That was something yep. I, I made clear yep, to that's, people. That's how it goes. <laughs> it really is how it goes. Uh, my senior year of college, I actually remember a conversation where I, I, I just have said out loud, which must have been the kiss of death for me, right? Like, I never want to be a youth pastor. And well... Kiss of death. The kiss of death. Um, <laughs> so when I graduated from uh, from UW-Whitewater, I graduated with a, with a liberal studies degree with a minor in philosophy, which don't ask me what I thought about doing with that. Hey, I what still, were you going to do with that? I, I, I still can't. I, I don't know. I, I still don't know. Sit around and think. Probably. Probably. But... So I had, a, I had a great campus ministry experience uh, at college, and I actually thought I was going to do that for a couple of years after I graduated. I thought I would uh, kind of go through the process of raising support, be a campus minister. Be a sidewalk, sidewalk preacher. Yeah, yeah, like do, do that, because that, that would have been appealing um, for all the kids. Um, but at the same time, um, one of the things I was also doing was I was still working as a volunteer youth leader for, for the church here in Milwaukee. And so I would come back on the weekends, because Whitewater and Milwaukee aren't too far, and I would serve that way. Well, the youth pastor was moving on. He was going to be a church planner out in uh, in Illinois. And uh, we, we all knew that was coming and we were all excited for him. But the church at that point was about to enter a, a huge transition time. And so they, they had asked me because I was going to do campus ministry, if I would consider for a year uh, to be an interim youth director and just as someone to help kind of be a bridge for a little bit while they figure things out. And, and that you, like, does that mean you were the best youth volunteer? That might have been. I don't know. Must there there are a couple other guys. That's been a rough year for you, volunteers. Our, our good friend Steve Highmiller probably could have done it. You know, Steve, <laughs> shout out to you. Steve. But, um, well, the, there was the other part of this, not to make this too long, but uh, while the youth pastor was moving on, uh, about a month later, I think it was about a month, our senior pastor had decided to retire. And it, and it was uh, based upon health reasons and just getting older, but he also saw that if the youth pastor was going to move on, that he needed to have a senior pastor that was going to be around for for a number of years, not just a couple. And so um, all of a sudden, my why one-year stint as a youth director was going to turn into uh, a two-year stint, uh, which was fine because, honestly, I, I enjoy... I enjoyed the youth group. I enjoyed uh, the students. And, and for me, it was cool to kind of take over, even though I, I didn't know what I was doing. In a lot of ways, still don't know, but I was still able to, uh, to take that on and really learn a whole lot. I had a couple of good mentors along the way um, who, who helped, I think, to not just help me work in ministry, um, but to, yeah, even just to, to mature as a, as a human being and as a, as a man. And um, there's a lot of things that just that, that kept me around and um, by my third year, so now we, we finally have found a senior pastor as a church, and I was kind of met with this decision point, do I want to do campus ministry still, or do I, or is there a good thing happening here at the church that I'm like, I, I still want to be around? And again, like, right, like I didn't, I didn't want to be in full-time ministry uh, in a church. Like I always thought it was going to be more effective for me to work outside of a church, you know, be, a, be in, a different, in a different job, but then still be a part of a church. And uh, as, as kind of I went through the whole back and forth, pros and cons, praying, like, Lord, give me some direction. Uh, I ended up taking taking the role still to be here in the church. I uh, had decided that they liked me, too. So it was a mutual a mutual oh. like, which was good. Uh, and uh, they hired me on to then be a, a youth pastor, which, uh, again, <laughs> was not <laughs> not by design, just kind of the weirdness. That's not the traditional path, but um, it, it worked out in such a way. And for me, it seemed like it was a good fit. It was a good fit to still be here. And, and I'm not a big title guy, so I really don't like, I mean, people can call me Pastor Mike, but I'm okay with just being Mike. Um, but I think what really helped me to 
to stick around was one, the community uh, of people I was around, the fact that I was in Milwaukee, the city that I've really been around majority of my life. And, and I felt like, you know, I could do a lot more for God's kingdom in this season of my life by being within the church and investing into students, you know, young students who maybe they've grown up in the church. Uh, maybe they were kind of like me where their faith wasn't real to them or they weren't really surrendered to them. Like maybe the Lord wants me to invest into those students and to, and to, with the hope that they'll go on to jobs and careers where they can be, you know, witnesses and whatever they do, whether it be teachers, accountants, you know, athletes, you name it. And um, yeah, I would say now being in my eighth year, I, I don't regret that. I think it's, it's, uh, it's kept me busy. And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, the highs have been high and the lows are low, but I wouldn't say it's been a, it's been a bad thing. But yeah, Andrew, what about, what about you, man? How did you come to work in a church? But really, Mike, you're just waiting for the call from Bob Uecker. That's why you're staying in Redeemer. That's why I'm staying in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, get called know, up to the big leagues. I'm still, I'm still, I will often look uh, job listings up, no joke. And and again, I, I know I'm probably, even if I applied, I'm sure they're not going to pick me, but I still look anyway. They they just give you a chance. Yeah, you know, I'm going to use this podcast as an example of, of my speaking on. abilities. They're going to listen to this and go, man, this guy can't speak at all. What does he, what does he think he's going to do? That should be episode 14 is we just have a Brewer game on. Yeah. And we just play by play into the podcast. Yeah, get up, get out of here. No, sorry, you care. I can't take that from you. I, um, I loved camping ministry. Yeah, did four summers. Well, actually, I was a counselor for two summers at a different camp in high school and then four summers in college at, an, at another camp where I then did a year internship um, kind of took a break from college and I wanted to do camping ministry. I, um, you're a brave soul, man. <laughs> it, it, I'm in my element. Like I'm there. I just I love you. That, you are, you're wired in a cool way. I'm, I'm very much the indoorsy type. Well, so I appreciate thank you. how that, how that's you. Anyway, I, sorry. I do. I love the outdoors. Get my chacos on. I love, yeah, just the camp environment and, 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 same reason I enjoy team building, right? It's I love getting people out of their normal element, and uh, real good things can start to happen when you're outside of your norm and your routine. Um, and camp really is just an incubator for, to ha for that to happen exponentially. Uh, so I loved watching that with count with uh, campers, with retreat groups that would be out there, uh, the chains and good things that can happen. So and I just yeah I am outdoorsy, so I wanted to pursue camping ministry. So that's what I did after college. Got a job at a Spring Hill Camps in Michigan. Uh, worked there full time for two years, and uh, I should have learned this from my internship. Except I worked with the tree groups a lot there, and so I'm full time camping. Um, you know, when you're behind the scenes there, nine months of the year is legwork hmm. um, and tasks to set up and get ready for those three months of intense ministry and relationships. Sure. And I, I'm an extrovert. I'm um, one of my top strengths on Strengths Finders is woo, winning others over. Um, and I, I'm a, I'm a people person, and so, um, so I need a large part of my job to be working with people. And I mean, any job you work with people, you know, even in your cubicle, you're working with a few people around you or on your small team. But in ministry, I needed to be um, intentionally working with people. And I wanted that like longevity, the year after year discipleship aspect that just um, in terms of relationally camp is not that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a lot of one-offs. And so I, I just kind of decided 
and yeah, felt, I guess, I guess I could say I felt the spirit moving me in that, but just, I was like, I just don't think this is playing to my strengths and my passions and uh, what I can really invest in the kingdom. I just, I was just on the wrong side of ministry. Sure. Camping. So I sought out church ministry thinking and knowing that's, it's going to play a lot more to who I am and, and how, what I can offer. So did that. Um, yeah. And I, I think and since college, I've just known that I think I want to be in ministry. Um, having a direct and not, not that it, ooh, that's going to sound bad. Everybody has a direct impact on the kingdom, wherever you are for right. sure. Um, but I wanted to be involved. Yeah. Just felt like I was supposed to be involved in that way in church or in, in ministry and direct ministry, uh, with my career. So yeah, sought out of church and, um, actually first job in church ministry was a part-time doing youth and worship, uh, at uh, my wife's home church in Indiana. So a small Nazarene church. Um, were, were you guys married then, or was that your way of uh, no, no. becoming a pastor? That's how you wooed her. Is that a- family? No, we had gotten married. We got married uh, before. We got married, and then I finished school for a year and a half. Okay, and that's when we moved to Michigan for Spring Hill. So no, we were we were well married by then. My first church job. Um, yep, and then uh, that church kind of had a big split, falling out with a senior pastor, um, and I knew they couldn't really afford to keep me on, so we sought out a full time position somewhere. And landed in Arkansas in an e-free church. And that ended up not being a super great fit. It was a retirement church um, that wanted to grow younger. But, um, yeah, just just not a really good fit. Not, not a good direction for their church or for me. So um, that church actually let me go. Uh, and then through the church process, found Redeemer. Yes. Through the guiding of the Spirit. And landed here two years ago. Yeah, we just passed my two-year mark. Oh, that's right. I got to take you up for a celebratory lunch. you still lunch. owe me a yeah, lunch two-year anniversary. Shoot. Um, and I love, I love Redeemer. I think I'm a great fit here for what I, who I am, what I offer, and at least I think that. Uh, so <laughs> nobody's told me otherwise yet, but enjoy. And we love Milwaukee. Milwaukee's great. It's grown on us very quickly in two years. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so. you got all the coffee shops you could ever want. I never and, thought and I was never. I'm a small town boy, never big city thing. Yeah. But like, we live in a spot in Milwaukee where it's like, yeah, you're not. You don't feel like you're in like this big city. Right. You're never far away from anything, and even Milwaukee itself is not. I mean, it's not Chicago. It's not this like, yeah, just this. You're not gonna be stuck in traffic for three hours. Yeah, it's not yeah. this right. tangled right. maze of trying to work through. So anyway, we enjoy it. So that's my church ministry journey. Why I'm here. Sweet. Uh, we'll go back to you on the last question, Michael, why, <laughs> why are you still doing this? Why? You've been doing it for eight years. Um, why are you still, why do you continue to be in church ministry? Why indeed? You know, I ask myself that question daily, at least the last year. Um, <laughs> kind of a joke, but kind of not. Yeah. You know, I think my fundamental belief about, the church is that this is this is the vehicle that God wants to use for His mission of bringing people to know Him, to yeah. know a loving relationship. Is it? Is it? In the government that um, I've learned anything the, in the last year. Yeah, I know. Right? It's the government's <laughs> role to do. That. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, if only, <laughs> if only it worked that way. But uh, you know, that's the thing about 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 mankind. We're just really bad at being uh, being figures of redemption, but. The, the church is supposed to be that. And that's, that's my, my whole belief is that, yeah, the church is full of, you know, you were talking earlier about it's, it's full of hypocrites, right? Let's, let's just be honest. The uh, church is full of people that, um, you know, there, there, there have been some seasons where Sundays are really difficult because there are people that um, just frustrate you or 
Um, they're, you know, talking about a judgmental attitude, like, yeah, I've had that, um, still battle that a whole lot. Um, and, and yet, and I think in all of this, I, I still see the church and go, while it is full of flawed people, it is God, it is what God wants to use. Um, gospel-centered churches that are faithful to the scripture, that are faithful to Christ, that are faithful to loving people. Um, I think churches that do that, like, you know, they don't, they don't need all the programs. Programs are good and all that, but if they hold those fundamental things, um, I, I, I think they're going to be a, a strong part of, of their communities. And, you know, I think there's like, there's many examples. Like we, you know, we probably have talked enough on this podcast. Oh yeah. There are plenty of examples of how churches have been, have been bad, right? Just like just bad, bad neighbors, selfish, you know, full of, full of just obnoxious people, you know, <laughs> before I go down too dark, dark of the path here. Um, but yeah, at the same time, we've also seen examples of, of like when God's people have just like rose to the occasion and there's been some great things that have come out of that, you know, like especially in the season, right, Andrew, like we, we know stories of how like, you know, even, even some examples from our church where, where there's been moments of like, of people just like stepping out in faith and, and God's delivered. And, 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 you know, we've seen examples of like caring for the community. I've heard from other churches about, you know, revival happening among people and all that. Like that's, that's God working. And even though it doesn't seem like that all the time, we don't always feel like that. That's the case, but that is what God does through the church. And I think it's the hope I'm holding, I'm holding on to. I think we're holding on to, and hence this podcast, because we know, yeah, uh, sometimes you're, you're frustrated by, by, uh, the, the, the presence of the church and how they might respond and act. And, and, and it is what it is, but I um, still believe that yeah God is going to be active. And so, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about my, you know, thinking about what, what does the future hold, right? What does the future look like? And, and for me, I don't know what that is exactly, but I do believe that whether I'm working full time for another eight years of my life or, or, or 18 or 28, you know, going with those, those eight variations. That's good. Um, you know, I, I still believe I'm going to be a part of a church mm. and uh, I'm going to be a part of the local church, whether it is a full-time member or if it's an active participant serving alongside the church. Um, because yeah, I believe that that's going to be the best way to make an impact. I, you know, I just real quick, I, I just know, uh, I've talked, I've caught up with some former students of mine who, uh, who are not doing that. They're, they're taking the stance of being outside the church and, and, uh, you know, using the culture as a way to make an impact. And I, I think you can do that. And I'm, you know, I think our culture has given different ways for people to, um, to impact others and, you know, social media followings and all that. And mm. I, I think though, the thing that has to change in order for, um, for the world to look better is the human heart. And I don't, I don't think anything changes the human heart more impactfully than the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And, and so if you believe that, you want to be a part of a church, as difficult as it can be. And that's 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 why in the world I'm still mm. I'm still doing this. Whether it's, you know, uh, you know, whether it's doing youth ministry <laughs> for, you know, however long, um, or if it's doing something else, we'll yep. see. Yeah. Yep. In fact, I would argue only the gospel and the Holy Spirit actually changes the heart, nothing else. Mm -hmm. Everything else superficially changes it, but nothing fundamentally changes it except the spirit and the gospel. Yeah. Well said, Michael. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. But what about you? Why, why are you still doing this? Oh. Um, Is yeah. it because you've got a good friend now, right? It's, um, it's me, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> uh, I was going to say because I'm not qualified to do anything else. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> what, did you, what was your degree in? My degree is in speech communication. Uh, so I would be oh. the sidewalk preacher. Oh, right? you're... If you're I didn't, 
you'd still get a job over over me with Mr. Liberal Studies and Philosophy. If so I, I so I actually did get to do play by play for my college's uh, basketball team, small Christian school, oh, which was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, could travel with the team. Free, uh, we had catered, you know, catered dinner for the AV crew. So it was fun. Wow. It was good times. Why am I still in ministry? Yeah, a lot of the same reasons that you are, Mike. Um, I feel the call. I mean, as you know, that's a very Christianese phrase. I, as much as I feel anything, I, I want to have a direct, influential impact on helping people be more like Christ and be as witnesses in the world. I, I want, I want, I want to use most of my time for that. Um, and, and ministry is how, how I can, how we do that, how I do that. Um, again, anybody has that calling in any profession they're in, but you know, if you're in banking, you know, you're not spending 40 hours a week, uh, helping other people become like Christ necessarily, though you are a light in that setting. Um, so I, I want to be, I want to be a part of helping people to do that, um, and giving direction and guidance in that, um, yeah, I think that's the primary reason I want to be that I, that I continue to be in church ministry. Um, that can and that can, the form that that looks could definitely change. I could definitely see myself joining an organization someday. That, sure, that 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 helps churches be better at you know leadership or be better at organization or um, things like that. That will still continue to help the local church um, be as effective and influential as they can be for Christ. Uh, but those are those are what keep me driving. Why I want to do that. So yeah, short answer. I like it though. I Good. like it. Yeah. Good. It's been a long episode, so our audience is looking for conciseness now. I, I feel as if like this episode, you know, when you when you trim it down, will not be as uh, not be as long. But who knows, right? That's true. We're not doing too bad. I mean, I think our last episode I thought was going to be the shortest episode of the series, but that was like a fifteen minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, you rocked it though. I mean, diatribe, man. You 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 brought it. You brought it. Speech communication. Don't ask me things that I'm passionate about if you don't want a long answer. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. There's a little bit about us, our origin story. Yes, yes. Superhero. <laughs> okay, there we go. If you could have a little uh, ending icebreaker, if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you have? Mm, I would. Uh, I would like to be really rich. Is that like a Bruce Wayne Batman. superpower? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean. He can't be Batman unless he's got billions upon billions of dollars. So, yeah, that's to, superpower. To invest that in is something loss. that a lot of people do not have. In gear. Yes. <laughs> Most people. You're right about that. Um, if I could have any superpower, I would... Um, I'd be able... Ooh, did you ever watch the show Heroes? Uh, only, only a couple episodes here and there. But... Love that show. I would have the ability to stop time and move in and out of time. Mm, so okay, travel through time and stop time. Wow! It's like, sure. what would you what would you use it for? It... Oh man, um, so many things, right? Um, I would go. I would go fill out the perfect bracket <laughs> for NCAA <laughs> March Madness. Step one: do that. Um, yeah, I don't know what else I'd do, but be yep. a consultant to like you know Arkansas and like help help them like you know. Plan how to beat Baylor. So yeah, on, on, this, uh, on this minute marker, they're gonna run this play. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> how does he know this? Oh, okay. I would. I would love. Well, this is something. Oh man, another little diatribe. Who knows what heaven will be like? 
I want to see, I want to have a movie screen in heaven where we get to watch, or better yet, if we could just like go be there on the side of the fly on the wall, watch these events in history take place. I want to watch. Mm. I want to see the parting of the Red Sea, how that happened. I want to see uh, all these stories, biblical stories. So if I could travel through time, you bet I would go. Nice. Camp out and watch those things. There you go. I like that. As a, as a guy who's come to appreciate history, I, I think uh, I'd watch that with you. Let's let's plan on that when we, when uh, we get there. Yeah. That's good. I'd go get to know Jesus personally. Sweet. Um, enough about that. Wasting time. Um, let's do a, a few thank yous. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get to do one last time. Mike, what uh, who, who are you thankful for? What are you thankful for this week? Yeah, Andrew, this has been cool to to do this and to kind of do a, a, a journey and walk through this all again. And uh, I think my thank yous I'll go out to the guys that have invested a lot in, into me, really. Uh, I don't think I'd be in ministry or would have continued to do ministry without without a number of different men in my life. You know, back when, uh, when I first started in youth ministry, it was Chris Stukenberg. Um, when I was in college, it was a guy by the name of Luke Francis. And then when I was working at the church, it was uh, another guy by the name of Bob Barlame. So shout out to all of those guys. Thanks to them, because I feel like without them, yeah, I, I'm probably not in ministry, right? And uh, those guys continue to be uh, just good resources to uh, to look to and, yeah, just really, really good men that I'm I'm grateful for. But, all, the, yeah. all the little people you stepped on to get yes. to climb your ladder. Yes, and this cutthroat ministry that is, that is youth ministry. But... <laughs> what, what about you, Andrew? I bet youth ministry is a cutthroat world. Uh, it, it can be. I, uh, <laughs> there can be. There can be some of that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go a little more superficial than you went. <clears throat> uh, shockingly, you know, I'm I'm whatever side of the aisle you land on politically. I don't really care. Um, I'm thankful for the little economic uh, impact payments that we got recently. Yes, because um, that's going right towards a little bit of landscaping and building a fence. So that when we oh. have a new little one this summer, uh, my wife can tell our two older kids, hey, why don't you go skedaddle out in the yard? And then they won't get run over because there's a fence. So that's exactly what's going towards. So thank you, government. That's, that's going to be nice. That is, uh, especially where you guys are at. Yeah. Yep. Have a nice little fence in the backyard. Phenomenal. Yeah. I'm excited for you guys. Thanks. And, You're too. And that, that, is not, and that is the purpose of, of these things, right? To take, take that money and spend it, right? We are being good societal members. That's we right. Stimulating the economy. And then you can drop your, your dog off when you need to. Yeah. Oh, there you for go. A while. We've got a fence for oh, you. Cool. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think we will do just that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening um, to this episode of the Redeeming Church podcast. Um, we'll be putting out a few more here over April and May before we take a break for the summer. Come back with season two. Uh, unless, of course, we get canceled. Um, yes. Yep. Unless we get canceled. Cancel culture gets a hold of us. I was thinking more of our ratings drop below a certain, certain line. That. Yeah. You know, I would do it even if it's just I listen. It's a good time waster every two weeks. There you go. Um, but I hope you guys have a great April. And until next time, I'm Andrew. And I am Mike. And this was episode 13 of the Redeeming Church Podcast. Thank you.